Open your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 55. The hobby horse of all real ministers. Isaiah 55. Lord, have mercy upon us and bless us. You know what time I'm going to end? I want to be simple. I just want to lay a lot of simple thoughts on you about this great subject of God's forgiveness of our sins. Here are four wonderful verses I read to you, verses 6 through 9, and the Lord has shown us their context and meaning. Isaiah 55 and verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen and amen. The chief words we want are the second half of verse 7. If the wicked will forsake his way, the second half of verse 7 teaches us that God will have mercy upon him, and our God will abundantly pardon him. Verse 8 is often misunderstood, and we have in the past foolishly, let me say I, in the past have foolishly used verse 8 in teaching the attributes of God as part of His intelligence. Because it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. This is not His intelligence. This is not His holiness. This is His forgiveness, mercy, and pardoning. He is saying, the way you forgive is not the way I forgive. Your thoughts of forgiveness are not like my thoughts of forgiveness. So if the wicked man will simply turn from his wicked way, I will forgive him and I will abundantly pardon him. We tend to be a little slow. Tend? We are a little slower than that, than the Lord is. So he is saying there in that eighth verse that my thoughts of forgiveness are not like yours, and my ways of abundantly pardoning sinners are not like yours. So learn mine. As far as the heaven is above the earth, in verse 9, my ways of forgiving and pardoning are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That is the context. That is the lesson. That is the encouragement. That is what I want to share with you by a number of points. Lord, help us. We are thankful for your abundant pardon of our many sins. You have caused us, moved us, led us, and drawn us to turn from our wicked ways. And then, after so leading us, you forgive us and abundantly pardon us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone hearing or reading this sermon is a sinner by three ways in two directions. 
You sin in thought, word and deed, by commission and omission. God is holy. And His holiness, like brilliant sunlight, exposes all your sins. And He will shine His brilliant light upon your life in a day that is coming soon. His holiness is so great that Isaiah the prophet in his presence said, Woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. You, your thoughts, your intents, your secrets, and your desires are all naked to Him. God, unlike cotton candy caricatures of Him, hates sin and sinners. Psalm 5.5 The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. God cannot acquit or clear sinners because He is just and righteous. So the Bible teaches us, God holds your breath, your life, your well-being, and your eternal destiny in His hand. God is sending Jesus Christ very soon to judge you and all others for every secret thing. God is not moved at all by you, like others are, at the pain of your coming damnation for sin. Because it is perfectly fit and just and righteous for Him to inflict such pain on sinners and rebels against Him. Adam and all descendants of His die three ways for Adam's sin. We are born with a corrupt nature which is to be dead in trespasses and sins. We die physically, and you are all dying physically in the process of physical death right now. And then the wicked are cast into the lake of fire, which is called the second death. There are three kinds of death. The death of our nature, the death of our body, and our eternal death. Adam and all his descendants die three ways for his sin. Yet, that wasn't enough. He still cursed our first father and the ground that would not bring forth to him easily and he would have to labor by the sweat of his brow just to survive until he got to die. And our women, they had their childbearing and conception cursed because those three deaths were not enough for the righteous judgment of a righteous God, and He's brought much sorrow into their conception and childbirth. Though all three men die three ways, God yet drowned a whole generation fearfully, abruptly, and before their time. This is the need of forgiveness. We are in serious trouble as a race. Because Pharaoh was proud and denied Israel's departure, God demolished all of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord to us. 
There was no forgiveness for Pharaoh. Because Moses got angry and smote the rock, he was absolutely denied into Canaan, though he begged for the opportunity. Because Achan took spoils out of the city of Jericho, 36 soldiers of Israel were killed, and then Achan and his wife and his children and his puppy and everything belonging to Achan was stoned and then burned. The righteous judgment of God in His church on sinners. Because the Philistines took His ark, He destroyed them with hemorrhoids and mice. Because the Jews killed His Son and His apostles, He sent the greatest tribulation the earth has ever seen or will see and ruined that nation. Because two Jerusalem church members fudged about their giving, God killed them on the spot and young men carried them out. The need for forgiveness. Does anyone need forgiveness? Because Herod Agrippa I had killed James, God killed him and had worms eat him. Because of his plan for formal and final sentencing, a great day of judgment approaches. Do not let the pretty sky, the beautiful day, good health, or anything else deceive your foolish soul. Jesus Christ is coming to wreak vengeance on sinners. The God of dreadful wrath and terrible damnation is active this very day and coming soon. Every sin of yours, and there are many, are fresh in his mind and written in his books. You are absolutely in greater trouble and facing more painful consequences than ever before in your life. We need to be forgiven. Can God forgive? Can He acquit? Can He clear? He cannot acquit or clear without a substitute suffering His justice and His wrath for sin. So He had to devise a way to forgive. He can't, He couldn't just say, those sins are forgiven. I'm just going to overlook those. He cannot do that because He is perfectly just. We get upset when our government or our judicial system allows sinners to walk, allows criminals to walk. God doesn't do that. He punishes to the full extent of the law a substitute that He ordained and planned for sinners that He does forgive. Let me give you some examples of His forgiveness. The need is established. If you don't believe what I've just told you, you are blind spiritually and you are blind naturally because everyone around you is dying. Where do you think death came from? We are the only ones with an explanation for death. We know exactly where death came from. The wages of sin is death. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. But God forgives. I hope that you appreciated the readings that you heard about the forgiveness of a sinful woman in the city of where Jesus sat with the Pharisee that was read to you. And then Zacchaeus, a corrupt official. He was rich because he had corrupted his tax-collecting privileges assigned by the Roman government. 
But He remedied all that at the end when He met the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, today salvation has come because that corrupt official changed His ways. And then you heard from Hebrews chapter 10, and I hope that you noticed verse 3, that in those sacrifices of the Old Testament, there was a constant remembrance of sin. The remembrance of sin was not God because He never forgot. The constant remembrance was us having to go through those motions every single year, reminded that our sins were never put away. But verse 17 said, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. You know, we remember them more than He does. And by us remembering them more than He does, we defeat ourselves by not embracing the doctrine of forgiveness like we should, and it cripples us as the victorious Christians that we ought to be. Oh Lord, help us. David, you read it last evening. Let me point out just a couple of things. David was guilty of aggravated adultery. When I say aggravated adultery, David had a whole harem of women. And they were beautiful women, and the Bible tells us they were beautiful women. They all wanted to conceive the next king of Israel. They were already partners for him. It was aggravated adultery to take another man's wife. And Nathan made it rather aggravated, didn't he, by telling the story of the rich man that had plural herds, rich man that had plural flocks, and yet when a traveler came, he took the one little ewe lamb that the poor farmer kept in his own bed with him. Oh, I lo- is the Lord graphic? Is the Lord powerful in the, in the lessons that He gives? David was guilty of aggravated adultery and calculated murder. It was not voluntary manslaughter. It was premeditated, cold-blooded murder as he calculated and wrote it down in a note and gave it to Joab to take to the battlefront and have Uriah killed. But he was forgiven instantly in one verse. Thou hast sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord, David said. The Lord hath forgiven thee in one verse. In 2 Samuel chapter 12. This, in spite of the fact David had just condemned a man to death for a mere lamb. When David heard the graphic illustration that Nathan the prophet gave him, David said, the man should die. Thou art the man. David had just written his own death sentence. And David had done far worse than a little lamb. David had killed in a far worse way and a far worse victim than the lamb. God still forgave him. This, in spite of the fact his sins, adultery and murder, had one sentence in the Word of God. Death. This, in spite of the fact he was guilty of several other sins recorded in the Bible that cost men their lives. Oh, Lord. Oh, do we have an explanation? My ways are not your ways. Now listen to this, brethren. My ways are not even the ways of the man after my own heart. Are you all with me on that? Do you know exactly what I'm saying? My thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are not even the thoughts of the man after my own heart. The man after his own heart said, Chop the man's head off for taking a little lamb from the poor farmer. God said, you are forgiven. Unbelievable. David had just written his own death sentence 
and God overrode it, though David's death sentence was more righteous than God's forgiveness if you can't see all the way to the cross of Calvary. If you get foolish and start fussing about Absalom, if you get foolish with me and say, but preacher, what about Absalom? God really messed up David's life. Preacher, what about Absalom? Don't get foolish or fuss about Absalom. Why do you think he got hung up in a tree when Joab was nearby? Do you think that Absalom did that as a practice? Riding through woods and get hung up, getting hung up in trees? To be dangling there between heaven and earth? Whose side was God still on? David's. If you get foolish and fuss about the dead child, why did he quickly get Solomon to replace him? Consider also, I'm not being foolish with the Word of God. I want you to consider His forgiveness. We do not know anything about Bathsheba. We do not know her state of mind, but we know that God blessed her as David's wife and the mother of Solomon and the mother of Nathan and the mother of two other sons that she gave David. I want you to consider that David got the widow. I think that many people would have said, you know, you only got her by adultery. You should put her away. And you shouldn't have her for your wife. Yeah, we know she's beautiful. And we know that you two are in love with each now, with each other now. And you had your love child. But you should put her away. God gave David the widow and had four living children by her, including Nathan and Solomon. You say, why do you keep bringing up Nathan and Solomon? Do you know that Jesus Christ came down through Joseph and Mary so that Jesus was legally the son of David and Jesus was biologically the son of David because biologically He came down through Solomon and legally He came down through Nathan. Two sons by the adulteress. What happened to poor Abigail of 1 Samuel 25 fame? What happened to his, the Lord? His ways and thoughts are higher than our ways and thoughts. But one thing we know about that distance his ways and thoughts are absolutely, infinitely right, holy, just, and good. Never, never forget, and I don't mean this disrespectfully to you or me, let's just let it sober us, never, never forget that David repented for that sin like you've never repented. Try Psalm 51 on for size sometime. I hope that we have repented like Him. But what an example we have in that 51st Psalm. Another example, Manasseh, the worst king of Judah, I tell you that over and over, humbled himself and was forgiven and restored to his throne. Then Manasseh, he knew that the Lord was God. It says he humbled himself greatly while in prison in Babylon because the king of Babylon had taken him off his throne and the king of Babylon put him back on his throne because the Lord forgave him. That woman that we had read to us in Luke chapter 7 by Chris, we don't know her name. We can, you can call her Mary and try to make her Mary, but the Bible doesn't tell us that. She was a sinful woman. Everyone knew it. Her reputation was terrible, but she was forgiven and honored before all. Do you like how detailed the Bible is in, the, in that it said, Jesus looked at the woman but addressed Simon? And He protected her and He, made, he put her up far above 
Simon the Pharisee. Zacchaeus, known for his greed and corruption, was forgiven immediately that day. Jesus didn't say, this year, I think the process of salvation is going to do its job in the household of Zacchaeus. He said, this day has salvation come. Because Zacchaeus stood there and realized this angry crowd behind him was informing his Savior of all his sins and stood before him the perfect Lamb of God and the great work of God that is done by the Holy Ghost turned his heart upside down and inside out. And he said, Lord, I give half my goods to feed the poor. And you know, his accountant was standing nearby and he was writing down 50% of total assets to be distributed to charities this afternoon. And whoever I have wronged, I'll restore it fourfold. That meant he had a pretty big balance sheet. But it tells us that, doesn't it? It says he was a rich man. Should tax collectors be rich? Mm -mm. Oh, what a story. Peter, failing twice in important situations, was forgiven and retained as a key apostle. The examples in the Bible are wonderful, but there is one that is given to you to comfort you, and it's described in 1 Timothy chapter 1, But throughout the New Testament, we are told about a man named Saul of Tarsus who persecuted Christians, even causing their deaths, threw them into prison, forcing them to blaspheme. He was forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ and set forth as an example for God's long-suffering. What is the basis for forgiveness? Think about this with me. Know one thing for sure. Know this. Forgiveness is not because you are a little good. Or a lot good. Forgiveness doesn't come because you're a little good or a lot good. God doesn't care about what you think you have on the other end of the scale from your sins. He doesn't even look at it. No, another thing. Forgiveness is not because you can at all explain why you sinned. You know, you use that with everyone else on earth. You try to excuse or justify or defend or explain why you sinned. Know another thing about forgiveness. It's not because you can explain it all why you, why you sinned. And you shouldn't even try to explain. You should try Elihu's approach in Job chapter 33. I have sinned and perverted that which was right and it profited me not. That man is going to be forgiven. David said, I have sinned against the Lord. He didn't excuse it. He didn't try to justify it. Know something about, know something about forgiveness. Know another thing. God does not care if your parents, your spouse, your children, or others like you. Know another thing. God does not care if parents, spouse, or others have abused you in the past. God is not going to have mercy on you because they didn't have mercy. Know another thing. God does not care how deprived or poor you were born into life. That does not evoke any pity on His part because anything you had was more than you deserved already. Know another thing. God does not care how much or how little you have accomplished. Know another thing. God does not care how many respect you or how much they might respect you. Know what God thinks of all your righteousnesses. They are filthy menstrual rags. 
Isaiah chapter 64. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Know this. God will have mercy and compassion on whom He will. Romans 9.15 tells us that. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, nor of him that explaineth, nor of him that doeth anything, but of God that showeth mercy. Know this. There is no part of God's nature or any obligation in the universe for Him to forgive you. Know this. You do not deserve forgiveness. But you do deserve much eternal torment. Get this fact. God chose to forgive you before the foundation of the world by name. Get this fact. God sent His only begotten Son to die for you so that He could forgive you. Get this fact. God will declare your forgiveness to the universe from the book of life by name. Get this fact. The practical phase of forgiveness to restore fellowship only needs you to confess, repent, and forsake. You must respond right. Just confess your sins to God for the practical forgiveness that restores our fellowship with Him. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If God were just faithful, how could He forgive us? His faithfulness and His justness would be to condemn us. So there's got to be something else involved in the transaction, and the something else is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is faithful to Jesus Christ being our substitute, and He is just by knowing the sins have already been punished in our Lord and Savior. You must respond right. This is for practical forgiveness. There is no response for our legal forgiveness that was accomplished directly at the cross. You have to repent His way. A broken and a contrite heart and spirit, God will not despise. They are the sacrifices of God. We just need to break ourselves. Lord, You're right, and I'm wrong. I have sinned. I have perverted that which was right. Your commandments were not unfair. In fact, Your commandments are the best way to live. But I perverted them, and it profited me not. I gained nothing by my choice to do things differently than You commanded me. I have sinned against Your commandments. That man gets to go down to his house with God's blessing on him. Grasp the gospel message with me, brethren. Your forgiveness is free to you. For God Himself made the payment. But grasp the gospel. Your forgiveness is costly. Very costly and very expensive because it required the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that God sent for you. What does it mean? What does forgiveness mean, preacher? Forgiveness is to remove all condemnation, all debt, guilt, and restitution necessary for a crime. It's all wiped clean. Forgiveness is to acquit, clear, and pardon a person for their crimes against you. Forgiveness is to know the offended party no longer considers you guilty at all. 
Because you've been forgiven. Forgiveness is to know that all bitterness that that offended party had, all the grudges, resentment, and vengeance are gone. Forgiveness is to start all over again with a clean slate and no past to condemn you. That is forgiveness. Oh, but we're just getting started. God forgives by not remembering your sins anymore. You heard it from Hebrews 10.17. If you're reading Hebrews, you're going to get it in 8 chapter 8 and verse 12 and 10 and verse 17. Selective memory, as Daniel put it, very good. God chooses not to remember our sins anymore. So that when we're before Him, and He says, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, He is talking about another group of people that He has not forgiven because He can't remember the sins of you and me. They're gone. You know, the Old Testament sacrifices brought them to memory to us. The New Testament sacrifice doesn't just take them away from our memory. It takes those sins away from God's memory. And that is really what I'm trying to convey to you today by this simple and short sermon. And that is, if God doesn't remember them anymore, would you please tell me why you do? I'm going to tell you why. Because you'd rather follow the devil than the Lord. Because by you continuing to think about your sins, what you do, and you don't have a pattern for it in the Bible, what you're doing is calling into question either God's faithfulness or Christ's sufficiency. You know what you should do once you confess your sins? Jump to your feet and run out of the room forgiven. Say, how can I know that I'm forgiven? Well, I don't know how to help that. Because that's what I'm trying to do right now. The Bible's filled with it. Just believe God at His Word. Just believe God at His Word. God forgives by not remembering your sins anymore. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. Stated that way. God forgives by not making mention of your many sins. You're not too far away from Ezekiel. Look at Ezekiel 18. Ezekiel 18 and verse 21, Ezekiel 18, 21, But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed, and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Verse 22, All his transgressions that he hath committed, wait a All his transmissions, transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. You mean the guy's past 40 years of being a wicked reprobate will not be mentioned to him? Yes, that's what forgiveness is in the gospel. Forgiveness is not remembering our sins, not making mention of them. Forgiveness is purging them away, which is a verb to purify or cleanse. It is to blot them out, which is to annihilate, obliterate, or wipe out. God forgives by covering your sins so that they cannot be seen or found. God forgives by cleansing, which is to wash, purify, and or purge away your sins. God forgives by hiding His face from your sins so that He cannot see them. God forgives by hiding your sins so that they cannot be found. And these words are the Bible's words about God's forgiveness. God forgives by pardon, which is to clear the record of a person's sins. God forgives by casting your sins into the depths of the sea, which is deep and very large. God forgives by removing your sins as far as the east is from the west. 
The north and the south aren't as very far apart, but the east and the west are. You know, as soon as you go north and you hit the North Pole, then what are you doing? You have found south. We want them farther away than that. It's the Lord pick. Where's the East Pole? Where's the West Pole? You've heard all that before. It's so precious. God forgives by casting your sins behind His back. These are God's words. God forgives by putting an end to sin in Daniel chapter 9. God forgives by making your scarlet and red sins as white as snow or wool in Isaiah chapter 1. All glory to God. God's forgiveness means you have full access to His throne for help whenever you need it or want it. God's forgiveness means there's no double jeopardy in the future. You will never be held accountable, nor will those sins be mentioned to you again. God's forgiveness means He will walk with you, talk with you, and help you anyway, because you're forgiven to Him. God's forgiveness means you may presume on Him for anything you need. God's forgiveness means that any self-loathing for your sins implies He failed or lied to you. Your future, what does it hold? Discovery of your sins from the book of God's works. And then these words. Father, He's forgiven. The books shall be opened. Your future holds. Others being ordered away for sins that you committed. More of those kind than they did. But to hear the words, He's forgiven. It's coming. His, his, his name is called Wonderful and Counselor and the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. Do you trust First John 1.9? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I know, listen, I can be as melancholy as anyone sitting in here when I'm down confessing my sins and I stand up and I say I don't feel any different. And uh, given the number of times that I've done this one, I wouldn't forgive anyone. So I'm sorry. So don't come to me when you need to be forgiven. But I'm going to try. I, but I, I wouldn't forgive me if I'd done it this many times. But you know what God wants you to do? Believe His promise. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And why is it different than the way I work? And why is it different than the way you work? Because His ways and His thoughts are higher than your ways and thoughts, as high as the heaven is above the earth. How high is the heaven? Which one do you want to talk about? The first heaven, second heaven, or third heaven? How high is it above the earth? That's how high His ways and thoughts about forgiveness are compared to ours. Are you thankful? There was a woman that was thankful, wasn't she? She was at the feet of Jesus. She was using her tear ducts. She was using her mouth. She was using her hair. She was humbled down. Do you know how bedraggled she looked when she got done? She didn't care. And she had spent her hard-earned money for an alabaster box of ointment. And she poured love out to the Lord Jesus Christ. And He drew a lesson for all of us today that those that have been forgiven much will love much. Are you fair? Are you fair? You love to hear these words from other people like yourself. I forgive you. Forget it. Smile. Oh, we love to hear that from someone we've offended. I forgive you. Forget it. Smile. My gospel message to you today is that the terrible and dreadful God of heaven is saying that. Are you fair? 
How excited should you be? Listen, your skin should be exploding right now. Your heart should be enlarging so fast that your chest cavity can't contain it. Are you fearful? The Bible says in Psalm 130 and verse 4, and I'm going to finish on time. Don't be looking and watching me. I know the danger. Psalm 130 and verse 4. But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. If God didn't forgive us the way that I'm describing, our fear of Him would be very different than the fear that is intended by that verse. But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. That is a reverential love for God and a desire to never displease Him because there is forgiveness with Him. And we can restore that relationship with Him. Are you zealous? For what would you not, what would you not do for such a dear gift? Paul would say the love of Christ constraineth us. Are you confident? You should attempt great things for God based on His pardon. He's wiped out all your transgressions. He will not make mention of them. He doesn't even remember them. Oh, are you certain of these things? God considers this one of His glorious attributes. When Moses said, show me your glory. Do you know what he saw? He saw God's backsides. He heard something. He heard the Lord. The Lord God forgiving sin. Exodus 34, 7. When God wants to show His glory, He says, look at my forgiveness of sin. Are you confident? Are you certain that God forgives sin? It's what He glories in. It's why He created the universe to allow there to be sinners so that He could send His Son to give forgiveness in a way that we have never thought of before. That we never even consider when we forgive those who sin against us. Are you doubtful about this? Why are you doing so? You're discrediting God's faithfulness or Christ's death and you shouldn't do either. Are you consistent? then you need to forgive everyone who ever sins against you because you've been forgiven 10,000 talents. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.